you know, you always sign that thing that says, I acknowledge blah, blah, blah. And we all usually sign it. <laughs> and unfortunately, I was one of those people who, for me, there ended up being a complication and it ended up being uh, extremely serious. And so I found myself in the ICU for a week and my family, in fact, came up from Florida. They all came up to see me and um, I don't know, just it was not looking good. And I remember during that time, um, you know, I had some really, really dark moments. And one of the things that helped lift me up was the cards and knowing that people were thinking of me. And even when I was lying there in my hospital bed and kind of wondering, you know, what's going to happen? I would sit there, I would hold, I would hold things, I would hold the cards and it would be like kind of a way of holding the person Hmm. sent it to me. So I never, I never got rid of any of those either. I kept them all in my nightstand. So sometimes when you can't be with someone, um, you can be with them in spirit especially by giving them something tangible that they can hold, they can bring with them to wherever they are. So that's another reason why Octo Gifts, it actually speaks very deeply to me. Welcome to the Good Life Coach Podcast. I am your host, Michelle Lamoureux. The intention of this show is to awaken you to your fullest potential. Join me each week for inspiring interviews to elevate an area of your life, as well as interviews with women entrepreneurs who are creating success on their own terms. Each episode provides actionable tips to guide you to design a life you love. Hey there, it's Michelle and welcome back to the show. I'm so happy you're tuning in today. So if you've thought about becoming an entrepreneur, or perhaps you are, or you have a creative child who is very innovative, who wants to start a company, today's guest joined forces with her teenage son to launch an entrepreneurial venture. They are the co-founders of OctoGifts, which creates fun 3D greeting cards and do-it-yourself kit designs. Now, Melanie has a rare combination of an MIT brain and a teacher's heart where she loves empowering children and helping people create more memorable experiences together. She approaches everyone with an eye for not just how they're doing today, but what they could become tomorrow. And all of that is so aligned with this podcast because the idea is, where are you today? What inner whispers are in your heart? And where do you want to be in the future? Where are you going? Now, many people have shared on this podcast that when they've had a health crisis, it became a wake-up call to what's truly important. And Melanie is actually going to share an experience that she had that solidified for her how she wanted to be spending her time. And although she was a very popular kindergarten teacher, teaching engineering design workshops and leading STEM coaching teams, serving Easter Steel's teachers across Metro Atlanta, and even leading engineering teams for Corning. You'll hear that what she is doing now is aligned with all of her skill sets and a perfect fit. And so it's kind of beautiful to see how even with a scary situation regarding her health, 
things came together in such a beautiful way. And she gets to work alongside her teenage son, Sebastian, who actually innovated the idea of Octogifts and why she decided to join forces with him. And if you've thought about teaming up with your child or just want to launch your own venture, there's something in this conversation for you. So let's get into the interview. Hey, Melanie, thanks for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. Well, this is going to be a conversation about love, possibility, and innovation. And we were corresponding via email. I had sent out a newsletter about how I was feeling like my calling was really getting more aligned with love and possibility and trying to figure out what that meant. And you wrote back and you said, I'm feeling the same. And so we've known each other from a past life. And so I have been following what you've been doing. And I was like, oh, you know what? Let's have this conversation because I think a lot of people are tuning into what love means for them, what love looks like in their life and what's possible. And so you've got an interesting story. You've started a company with your son and I would love for you to take us into what prompted you to do that and what the company is all about. Oh, well, thank you so much for this chance to share our story. Um, and it is definitely, our company is all about love. I mean, now more than ever, well, we can't actually be with the people that matter to us. All we have is, and, and there's so much going on in the world right now. Love is what is pretty much keeping me, it's keeping me together and with it at this time. Um, what OctoGifts is about is it's about creating moments of joy with and for the people you love. So my son is 14. His name is Sebastian. Um, we have two kids and Sebastian's the younger ones and TJ's the older one. And um, this uh, company is actually Sebastian's brainchild. And what OctoGifts is about is uh, we he actually has created 3D greeting cards that you can make yourself that um, they're fun to give. They're fun to make, fun to give, and fun to receive. So from the, from, uh, from the moment you, you start working on this card that you're actually going to give to someone else, love is involved because you're putting your own time and effort into something that you're going to give someone else. And then you give it to that other person and they see that, this, they see that it's something handmade that you spent time on. So that makes them love it even more than like even the fanciest card from, you know, from the high-end greeting card store. And then from the time that you give it to them, they usually don't even want, they keep it because it's something handmade and it has a handwritten message from a person they love on the back. So they end up keeping it and they're so unusual that our cards end up in, in the office or on a bookshelf in the living room. They don't get stuffed in a, in a shoebox like most greeting cards or even recycled or trash. They get kept. And then what happens then is then someone else comes along, a visitor or someone stops by your desk at the office and say, what is that? And do you know what that does? It actually gives the person who received the card a chance to think about you yet again and explain, well, this came from, you know, my daughter or my best friend or something. So then again, love enters the picture. And so it's basically a chance to, to brighten multiple people's day over and over and over again and remind them that they are thought of and they are loved. Well, tell us about the product then, or I shouldn't say the product itself as much as how it originated, because I know from reading the website and you sharing with me that there was an incident that prompted Sebastian to create this design. And 
I remember seeing what looked kind of like a cool gumball machine. So can you can you explain a little bit further? Sure. Okay. So um, Sebastian has never liked buying cards from the grocery store. He's always preferred to make his own gifts and his own cards. So um, when when he was in fifth grade, he had a friend who would always come over, and this friend, you know, um, I'm going to protect his privacy, <laughs> but uh, he loved candy and he didn't really get a lot of it at home, but his mom was like, oh, well, if he comes over, yeah, he can have some. So anyway, every time he came over, he would always have an excuse to go in the kitchen. Um, he'd say he was thirsty, but then we'd go in the kitchen and, and he's got his hand in the candy jar. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. So, so like, a, so you're thirsty, huh? You know, that we would kind of laugh, but you know, we, I could, every time he came over, I could hear the, the glass lid of the candy jar be, being lifted and set back down. So mm-hmm. we all just kind of started joking about it. Like every time he would come over, like, oh, make sure the candy jar has got candy in it. So anyway, when this friend um, had a, had his, had a birthday, his 11th birthday, I believe, um, Sebastian decided I'm going to make him his own candy machine. And, he, you know, he was not about buying one. He, again, he wanted to make one. So he went on YouTube and he tried to find a YouTube video that would show him how to do it, but he didn't find anything. Um, so he said, I'm just going to make it myself. So he ended up scrounging around in the recycling bin. He found this paper towel tube and an old candy box. And then he got a sheet protector from my office supply stash and the hot glue. And and he just starts cutting and gluing things together. (laughs) And he ends up making this candy machine out of these recyclables. And he said, look what I made. And he showed it to me. And then he said, and and I'm going to put a message on the back. So he glues this piece of cardstock on the back and it says, have a sweet birthday. And he took a video of it because he was so proud of it. And then he gave it to his friend the next day at school. And he said that his friend just loved it. He thought it was the coolest thing ever. I mean, it it wasn't like this plastic thing that you could just pick up at Target. It was something his friend made. So anyway, three years later, so we moved from Boston. And then, um, you know, his friend and his family also moved from Boston. It's been three years and we're like a thousand miles apart. But his friend still has the card. Oh. And you, yeah, usually when you move, you get rid of stuff. But I think, in, you know, that's pretty special. It has survived a move because that's usually when people get brutal <laughs> and throw things out. So he kept it. And to this day, they're still in touch. That just the fact that he kept it after all this time, it means it's like a tangible reminder of a friendship and of a bond. So it goes past, it goes beyond distance and time. And so that means a lot um, to Sebastian. So anyway, where that ended up inspiring Octo gifts is um, he never really forgot that moment. And he's, you know, two years later. So he was in, when he was in seventh grade, he was, he joined the band in middle school and he wanted to get his own drum set. And that the one he had his eye on was, I think it was around $300 or something. And so we thought, well, we expect you to help pay for that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then we kind of left it at that to see what he'd come up with. And then he said, I know. I said, he said, maybe that card that I made, you know, for his friend, maybe other people will buy it. So, so I just said, yeah, sure. Try it. You know, I just wanted to see where he would take it. Mm-hmm. So he starts, he started disappearing into the basement. This, so this is like in a, in January, 20, 
2019. Okay. He disappears into the basement for days. Like every time he comes home, he's down there. Then we start seeing all these little pieces of red paper. He started working on it upstairs too. We started finding um, heart-shaped red paper pieces on the kitchen counter. And my husband's like, what is this stuff? And I said, I don't know. Sebastian's doing something. And then, oh, and behold, he comes up in like late, like kind of like the second or third week of January. He comes upstairs. He says, look what I made. And I said, what is that? And he said, What's all, it's a Valentine's day version of what I made. And then, um, he showed it to us and the thing worked. And he said, and this time it's all out of paper. He had just, um, he had asked me to place an order on Amazon for like red cardstock. And I'm like, yeah, sure. (laughs) I bought it. So he had made it entirely out of cardstock except for the window. He, um, he found that again, he used like a piece of clear plastic for the window, but everything else was paper, every component, even the dial. And he, he had put a candy in it and he demonstrated and it actually worked. And he said, I wonder, if, I wonder if people would buy this. And I thought, yeah, sure. Why don't you try it? You know, again, <laughs> I was like, I was like, any, you know, sure. You know, just try it and see what happens. So he, he created this posting on Etsy. And then he asked me to uh, just spread the word on Facebook. And I said, yeah, sure. I'm happy to do that. And so I put it on Facebook and he, he put some in stock and then within 12 hours, they sold out. So he, he thought, oh, <laughs> so he thought maybe I should make some more. I said, yeah, go ahead and make some more. So he restocked it. And then the second batch sold out. And then we thought, oh, wait a minute. Um, we need to, maybe you should make even more. And then I started getting emails from people. About, hey, I wanted to get one, but you sold out. You know, can I place a, I want to make sure I get in on the next batch. Can I place a wow. private order? <laughs> and so we, then we started having these emails coming in from people wanting to place private orders. So bef- before we knew it, he was spending all his time after school when he wasn't in like band practice or swimming or doing homework, he was making these cards. And so that's when he thought, maybe I have something. Cause then, and then I even had people like sending me pictures, like my husband loved this. And there was a picture of a card in, in someone's kitchen because he was a, uh, he, he enjoyed spending time in the kitchen. So that's when he thought, Sebastian thought, well, maybe I have something here. And then he, he just looked at me and he just said, will you help me see how far we could take this? Ooh, says, I want to see so where this good. can go. I love it. That's how it was born. Well, what's cool about it is I know that you have an engineering degree from MIT and 10 years in manufacturing and that you're also an educator in STEM. I don't know if it's STEM or STEAM. You can correct me on that in a moment if what's more, what's the, the way that it should be described these days. And you've done a TEDx talk and you've helped teach other schools how to innovate around STEM. And so I'm just curious, you know, how you have a very interesting background, you know, how did those experiences kind of play into what you're doing now with your son in this company? Well, it just, um, to be honest, this is like a perfect, it's like this perfect storm of everything that has ever ignited my passion in the past, all combining at once with the people I love the most, my own family. Because when I, so I'll, um, when I was in, when I was an undergrad, I remember um, one of my, I had multiple friends who were taking this class. It was a robotics, it was an introduction to um, 
to design classes, an MIT class for mechanical engineers. Mm -hmm. And they would all, I had friends, I wasn't taking the class because I was a chemical engineer, but I had friends who would sit there and work all night long on their robots. It was part of this project. They had to build a robot that would do something Hmm. uh, like maybe sort eggs by a certain color. And I remember seeing all of my friends like spending countless nights, just testing the robots and they would use the hallway in our, in our dorms to, to test the robots. So like night after night, I'd see them working. And then when they would finally get something working, it would be this, like their eyes would just light up and I could tell that, you know, just how amazing it must've felt. And then, um, so I remembered that. And then when I was an engineer and we were um, starting up a a new fiber optic plant in Charlotte, Mm -hmm. I remember how hard that was. It was like countless nights of just I would come home at like maybe 11, 12, sometimes 1 a.m. And then I'd go back in at five because we had to get the machines running up and running. We had a very aggressive timeline. And I remember um, it was really, really grueling. But the night that where we finally hit the start button and actually saw um, physical sellable product come out, we were all high-fiving. And again, it was like that feeling of, look what we did. We made it. Here's something tangible that represents all the blood, sweat, and tears we just did. I I never forgot that. And then when I became a parent and I started watching just um, TJ and Sebastian, when they would make, they would make a, their first bubble with a bubble wand or make something with Legos, that same, that it was that same feeling where they say, look what I made. And I would see that look on their face. So all of that, look what I made, just the, um, the, the feeling of making something yourself that works, mm-hmm. it's, un, it's indescribable. So I feel like Octo Gifts is a, it's a really, it's a culmination of seeing my, you know, my own son make something that other people appreciate and enjoy. But then now that we actually have these available as DIY kits so that other kids can actually create what Sebastian invented and they can say, look what I did and give it to their loved ones. I mean, to me, it's like, oh my gosh, that this is a combination of not just making something that works, but showing someone you love them and it's all like blended together. It's like, you can't get any better than that as far as how much fulfillment it brings to me. I love this story. And I think that, you know, if you are paying attention and open and allowing things can bring together all of those great uh, strengths that you have. And now you're getting to collaborate with your son and his skill sets and his strengths to, like you said, bring this amazing opportunity now to other children to create And I think with greeting cards in particular, anytime you get a handwritten note in the mail, that's special. But to get something that's like, you know, what he made for his friend and now this custom made, uh, you know, gumball machine or Valentine's, you know, something that's more tailored or you're the best mom. I've looked up the website, you know, the different very tailored products. Um, it's meaningful. And now being able to make it yourself, like you said, a child can make that and give it to their parent, knowing that it it carries extra weight. But I know for you, Melanie, that there was sort of, you know, because you had a very successful career as, as an educator, as a teacher. And like I said, lecturing and teaching other schools how to do programs centered around STEM, which is what? Science, technology, engineering, and, and math. And math. What's the A? And that's art. 
Yeah, I actually, okay. I would, um, I think they're, they're both um, great acronyms and they're, they're actually, a lot, some people feel very passionately, almost like Republican versus Democrat. It's STEM. No, it's STEAM. It's STEM. Well, that's no, why STEAM. I asked you, I was like, <laughs> there's probably some political thing here that I'm messing up. So we've now just referenced both of them, but that you had um, a personal challenge that helped you really get clear on how you want to be spending your time. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, um, I'll say um, we had a health crisis come up in our family that, you know, I won't go into the details, but I'll just say it was, it was terrifying. And for our entire family, it, it threw us all for a loop and it, it had all of us questioning, you know, how are we spending our time? And, uh, and you know, you just kind of realize that you can't take tomorrow for granted and that um, you might think you have you know, oh, I'll get around to that next year, or whatever. But um, really, you need to seize things now because you might not get a second chance. I mean, I'm happy to say that you know things are are definitely better, and uh, and we're on the other side. But um, I'll tell you, there was there was one experience that I had that um, I'll share because it kind of it it tells you about it. It sheds some light on why I'm so passionate about what I'm doing with my son. Um, Back um, when this business was first starting to come together, um, I actually developed complications from a medical procedure that ended up, I ended up getting septic. I ended up in the hospital with sepsis. I was in the ICU for a week and I was basically hanging on by a thread. And my and a I, blood, blood infection? Yes. Yeah. And I was terrified. I just, um, you know, it's just, you know, sometimes you can get an infection from a, just a simple procedure. You know, you always sign that thing that says I acknowledge blah, blah, blah. And we all usually sign it. <laughs> and unfortunately, I was one of those people who, for me, there ended up being a complication and it ended up being uh, extremely serious. And so I found myself in the ICU for a week. And my family, in fact, came up from Florida. They all came up to see me. And um, I don't know, just it was not looking good. And I remember during that time, um, you know, I had some really, really dark moments. And one of the things that helped lift me up was the cards and knowing that people were thinking of me. And even when I was lying there in my hospital bed and kind of wondering, you know, what's going to happen? I would sit there, I would hold, I would hold things, I would hold the cards and it would be like kind of a way of holding the person Hmm. sent it to me. So I never, I never got rid of any of those either. I kept them all in my nightstand. So sometimes when you can't be with someone, um, you can be with them in spirit, especially by giving them something tangible that they can hold, they can bring with them to wherever they are. So that's another reason why Octo Gifts, it actually speaks very deeply to me because I myself know how important it was to have something tangible, not just a text, I mean, yeah, I could pick my phone up and say, we're thinking of you, hope you're out of there soon, but that something I could hold. I know there's something about holding something in your hand, Michelle, and, and having something you can look at with your eyeballs, you know, yeah. something you can hold. And sometimes it'll even smell like the person if they have a fragrance or a perfume, you can sometimes, I remember my grandma used to sometimes, um, 
spray her favorite cologne on cards. And I still have the cards she gave me. He's gone. So there's something about a, a physical manifestation, a physical object from someone you love that Absol- cannot be duplicated. Absolutely. I, I actually really appreciate you sharing that story. I think that that's going to be deeply moving for others. And especially in light of what's happening with this virus right now, and a lot of people, you know, in these critical conditions and not even able to have family with them. I mean, it's just so horrible. But um, what you're saying about a text versus like the tangible card, it's the same thing. If somebody thanks you via email, that's very nice. It's always great. I think any form of gratitude or a note to say to somebody, I'm thinking of you is deeply important. And we need to all be doing more of that. But when you get something in the mail that somebody took the time to handwrite or hand make, there's a whole other layer, I agree with you, where you do keep it. I have cards that best friends have sent with lovely notes or cards from parents, whereas the email, goodness, I mean, our inboxes have thousands of emails, so they can kind of just get lost even if you tuck them aside. But the card can be in a box or in your desk, and you can pull it out at any time. Um, or with right. the Octo gifts, like you said, now it's on your shelf. Yeah, you can use it. You can engage with it, and it's like a visual. It's an actual visual reminder of the love of somebody who took the time to make it and give it to you. Absolutely, absolutely. So, what are the next steps? Where are you in terms of the product and next steps? What tell us more about the companies where where you're at? Okay. Yes. Um, so we're. Um, I'm happy to say that Sebastian is already, you know, he actually ended up making making triple what he made. And on all of 2019, he's already made it in 2020. Wow. And we're continuing. We're still small potatoes. We're, we're still very small. But the growth is just exciting to watch. And I think it's been super inspiring for Sebastian, too, to see his efforts pay off. Um, we started out with fully assembled cards. And that was what we thought we were going to be offering. Um, we still offer that, but through the process of customer discovery, where we learned what what people's problems were and where, where their pain points were, we realized that there was a huge market for in-person, um, hands-on activities that families could engage in together. They, people, basically parents were sick and tired of watching their kids staring at their phones on the couch and everybody doing their own thing. And they were like, you know what? I am just so tired of seeing her on her phone. And I just, I want to do, you know, I, we try to do puzzles together or I, you know, my son and I do Legos when I get home from work. I kept hearing that over and over again during the customer discovery process. And then when people would would find out that, Sebastian actually made these cards. And it's like, well, why can't, why don't you make that a kit? I would love to make a card with my child and maybe we could give it to, you know, to her grandma. So that's when we realized there was growth potential in DIY kits. So as a result, we've actually pivoted away from fully assembled cards being the mainstay. And now we're, we've actually, now we're focusing on growing the kit. We, uh, Sebastian, um, and I spent a ton of work last year and early this year developing DIY kits. And that, when we released that, is what enabled us to grow as much as we did. And so what we're going to do is we're continuing to focus on that and finding more channels for kits. Um, not only more, uh, more channels for kits, but more ideas for kits and also more markets. Because there's, there's definitely a lot of potential out there for, um, for, for the kits. 
Uh, what's the age range? Well, we put uh, eight to 12 on the package is the ideal age range, but younger kids can do, can do it if their parent is with them. In fact, on our, on our website, we have pictures of a, of a, I think he's three, a three-year-old boy doing it with his dad. And he was the helper fetching the parts and helping um, put some of the simpler things together while the dad would do the more elaborate things, but it's still something that they did together. And there's pictures of them smiling and putting them together. Uh, so even young kids can, can do it if they have, if they're scaffolded um, with an adult helper. Mm-hmm. And then we've actually had, um, uh, grown-ups order these and build them also. So even adults who enjoy model plane building or jigsaw puzzles tend to enjoy it. But I'll say the sweet spot I think is um, kids aged eight to 12 and their families. Um, So two thoughts come to mind when you say that. One is, again, it's more spreading of love because any dedicated time with a parent and their child where they're focused on an activity without the distractions around them and have the sense of accomplishment of creating something together is a deeply loving experience. And then I'm just thinking just because of my marketing brain, but I mean, I'm thinking, you know, of those, um, there was the kids coloring books. And then all of a sudden there was a whole line of adult coloring books because they realized it was relaxing and all these adults wanted to do it right. And so a whole line of it. So it seems like there's going to be some natural evolution of the business as you go along and potentially, I mean, you are a STEM teacher. This could be a Montessori kind of thing or school, you know, selling into schools, but um, we can do a brainstorm <laughs> off, <laughs> off the call. I'm like very excited for you. Um, so, you know, I think a lot of people have ideas, but not everyone, I'd say most people don't follow through. That's part of the reason I have the show, just to show what's possible. And this is a great example of what's possible. You're very much in the early stages of the beginning of an entrepreneurial business, and it's exciting, and it has its ups and downs, because any entrepreneur knows that. I, I have two questions. One is, how many hours a week are you guys putting into this? And can you share some stories of some challenges and successes? Sure. I am. I would say I'm putting in probably 40 hours a week on this or more. Um, I have, I have, I actually left a full-time corporate job for the, because of the health crisis that we talked about, you know, I just needed to um, be there a hundred percent for my family. Um, so that actually ended up freeing me up too, to do this. <laughs> so, um, not only did it provide, you know, the, um, I guess the, the breathing space that we needed to get out of what we were in, but then what, during that lull is when this all cropped up. And Sebastian ended up stumbling upon this business opportunity. And, and I happened to, you know, I was no longer tied to that job. So I've been able to actually really immerse myself in it. And Sebastian's involved in it too. Probably, I would say him probably to, I would say 20 hours a week, 10 to 20 hours a week. And the reason the split is so different is to be honest, he's the idea guy. And I am what I do, what he calls the boring stuff. But there is a lot of boring stuff. <laughs> I'm the one who basically does all the taxes, the paperwork, the, the the business paperwork, everything, everything that is unsexy and unfun that doesn't involve cutting and gluing and building something cool in the basement. So that is hilarious. So he's kind of okay. So he's CEO, <laughs> and you're chief operating officer. 
Pretty much. Co-founders though, co-founders, but that's okay. You're both using your skill sets and where your zones of genius are, which I think is a good thing. Um, Did you patent it? Are you in the process of patenting the idea? Uh, Yeah, we actually have two patents pending. Wow. Um, So they take a while to go through. So um, Mm -hmm. at the moment they're still pending, but there's, you know, I'm, I'm excited to say that, yes, we have two in the works. How old is Sebastian now? He's 14 now. Okay. Yeah. The, um, he was 13 when we filed the, the first, when we submitted the first um, application. Okay. And so when did you officially launch the company? I mean, would you call it just that first trial where all of a sudden he, you sent out that email on Facebook? Was, would you say that was sort of the unofficial launch of the company or the official launch? I would say it was um, unofficially, I guess we tested the waters back in, it was January 2019. And then by spring of 2019, I filed the paperwork to actually get a business license. Hmm. Well, what advice would you give to a parent? They don't even need to do the business with their child, actually. If a kid has an idea, what advice would you give about supporting a child who wants to innovate and or do what you two are doing, do a business together? Any, Any advice you can give around that? I'll say one of the one of the most helpful things to us has been the relationships that we've formed with other child and parent entrepreneurs or other mm. child entrepreneurs. For example, there is a, a young man, his name is Bo and he lives in Georgia. His full name's Bo Shell. And actually um, he's been featured in numerous publications, but he, he wanted to start his own I think, ice cream business when he was seven or eight. And, um, now he's 15 and he actually owns a brick and mortar ice cream shop in Athens, oh. Georgia. So he has not only made his dream come true, but he's at, I mean, he, he went from a, one of those mobile carts, a push cart that you would see at a, like a, a football stadium all the way to a brick and mortar business. And so wow. Sebastian and I actually went to his shop and um, we got a chance to talk to the family and um, just really hearing the stories from others. Um, and getting to know others who are doing what you're doing has been really helpful to us. And there, and of course, there are stories you can you can Google online and find articles. But there's nothing really like knowing someone in the flesh who's who's going through it. And then if, you know, if you have a question, you just call them up or you email them and say, "Hey, how are you dealing with this?" Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, what advice would you give to other people? Would it be to reach out to other people who are in the same boat because they may not know people like you have? You know, you sounds like you source them, but just even just to get started. So I think the one of the things you can do, there's um Gary Vaynerchuk. Um, I know that he has um, videos that are to, meant to inspire kids to start their own businesses. So I would wait. Does he have videos where he's not swearing? <laughs> the ones that I saw, he wasn't swearing. They were definitely uh, okay. <laughs> okay, because I've seen his Instagram account, and there's a lot of profanity. So I think he's yeah. great. I'm just okay. Okay. No. Yeah. Um, I think I would start with like, find there's, there's a couple of names I can throw out there. Cause I also follow, um, follow these people who actually have resources around supporting child entrepreneurs. So Gary Vaynerchuk's one, Vaynerchuk is one. And then I think Adam and Matthew Torin, they wrote a book called, I think, kid entrepreneurs. We got a copy and I do believe they, they, they have a social media presence as well, but I know I, we have the book. Okay. So it was, um, it was helpful for just getting idea of the basics. Mm-hmm. And what about, uh, I feel like if this is really something that the kid is doing, they have to really be committed to it. 
It can't be the parent saying, hey, let's do this. It just seems to me, would you agree? It really needs to be something that the kid feels driven to do and wants to see through. It has to be a true passion and, and yes. commitment. Absolutely. I would say that that is very true. And and I'll be honest with you. So that's been one of the things that, you know, it's been a learning opportunity for both me and Sebastian, because he is super passionate about, about ideation and coming up with, with things that he thinks other children will enjoy, but he is not passionate at all about (laughs) other things like for operations. (laughs) Yeah. Like, uh, uh, I creating the, uh, the SOP, the operating manual for how you actually make this, you know, it's super dry, you know, push this button, blah, 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 you know? And, and, um, so I actually, I tend to take, that's actually my wheelhouse. And it was part of what I did for 10 years as a manufacturing engineer Mm -hmm. was, um, was to create things that were extremely easy to understand and follow. So you could produce a consistent product. So, Mm -hmm. um, it does have to be something the child wants to do. So the, the way that we've done it, we've divided is, is so Sebastian works on what makes him excited. I work on what makes me excited and also what I'm good at. And I tried, we try to split it up that way. Cause um, trust me, like if I had said, this is your thing and, and you need to do this, I think it would probably have, <laughs> it would have just gone down in, in flames like early. Um, so you have to find what they're excited about and then try to keep them excited about, about that thing so that they'll just keep that fire burning to keep creating. So he's, he's excited, very excited about the next products that we're planning to release. And I just let him go to town there. And then I take on the, um, the more like, boring stuff. So well, to speak. the business side and, getting <laughs> yeah. and the SOPs for anyone who doesn't know the standard operating procedures is what Melanie's talking about. I think that, a lot of people don't start because they are afraid it won't be perfect or they're afraid of failing. Um, and then, like you said, they don't release the article they've written or, you know, try to produce it because they're afraid that it's not done. It never feels done. I mean, I, and I'm guilty of this. That I wrote my book and then I rewrote my book. I rebranded <laughs> it. I rewrote the title. I'm like, well, it could be. And you know what? The truth is I could probably rewrite that another five times if I picked at it enough. At some point, you have to trust that the messages will resonate and it'll be, you know, that it it's worthy of the publication and it needs to be released and to move on to the next creative project. But um, what advice can you also give around um, mindset? What do you think the mindset needs to be in order to be successful? You have to have, um, number one is a belief in yourself when no one else believes in you and they think your idea is completely, <laughs> completely uh, crazy, you have to believe in it. Um, and then you have to surround yourself with people who are supportive. So I would, I would say that's been one of the things that has been helpful to, to me and Sebastianism. We just, <laughs> I don't know, I guess we have this unbridled optimism um, in, in where this could go and, and maybe we'll be wrong, but you need to have that optimism because who else is going to, who else is going to carry the torch? It has to be you. Completely. Thank you. That's actually great advice. And did you find that you kind of figured out the challenges as you went? So when it came to how to produce it, how to mail it, how to get the packaging, I mean, how did, how does that kind of stuff unfold? Cause I think sometimes people are like, 
well, I don't know how to get a t-shirt made. I have this design, but I don't know how to do it. Or So what advice can you give around that kind of thing? Oh my gosh. That's another challenge. Um, I tend to overthink everything. I mean, I was overthinking the kits and the instructions. So um, sometimes you just need to just, just do it. Just right. do it. But it's, sourcing it. How do you source it? Just talking to people? Like, how do you know where to make that stuff? Oh, how, like, like for the example, packaging. Yeah. When you sent it out, did you make your own packaging or did you buy pre-made boxes or how did you ship it all? You know, how did you package it up to ship? So once we decided, once we um, had the kits and we were ready to put them out, I literally just, I turned to what I know best and it's shopping on Amazon. <laughs> and I just, I went to Amazon and I said, where can I get, you know, clear plastic bags? And I know that sounds hokey. Like, oh, you didn't go to some business sourcing thing. I said, no, I went to Amazon and I, and I, I just found it on there. So we actually sourced our, um, the cellophane bags from Amazon. You know, I, I'm constantly buying things from Amazon and Michael's. Um, and I know that as our volume increases, I can probably get better deals elsewhere. But I'm right now, I'm just using the same thing, the, the same supply sources that I turn to from my everyday, normal, personal life. Mm-hmm. So sometimes yeah. it, that was what I had to do just to get past it. Because I did, I got this, I have this one inch thick catalog from Uline and, and all these other other catalogs that you can tell they're, they're, they're B2B catalogs. Mm-hmm. And I started looking through that and it got overwhelming. And finally I thought, you know what, let me just start with a place I know and a process I'm familiar with. And then I'll go from there. Simplify, simplify. Um, so what do you see as the future for Octogifts? I see us continuing to grow in, um, in terms of the you know, we'll, we'll continue to offer fully assembled cards. Those do, we, we do charge more for those because a lot of labor goes into making those, but mm-hmm. we do see the growth being primarily in kits. And I see it, um, I see us taking it in a direction where um, people are buying multiple kits at once, for example, for sleepovers, birthday parties. I, I can see us. Oh, that's um, nice. Yeah, because people are looking for like, how do I keep 10 year old girls busy? That's in the, awesome. In the just movies, you know. Um, and we also, you know, we've gotten some great suggestions from friends and fans and mentors about um, businesses that would probably be um, interested in what we have to offer. For example, you go to trade shows and conferences and everyone's passing out the post-its with company names. And I don't know how many drawstring bags we have that have, a, mm-hmm. I, I don't need any more drawstring backpacks and I don't need any more pens. But you know what? A, a little gumball machine that has... Uh, a business card. You guys can't see it. So she's, so that's a, it's a little, wait, hold that up again, Melanie. I'm going to describe it. So it's, it's a grad, it's a graduation card and it's a gumball machine and it's wearing a cap with the gold tassel. It's adorable. Is that on your website? Yeah, we have another one. This is another one. This is actually our classic gumball machine card. So it can be customized in any color, but even you can see that squiggly heart on the window that can be a, replaced by a logo. For example, we, um, we actually had one with, wait, a, show me it working. And now this is when I, I wish I did have my show up on YouTube, which it may be sure. coming soon. Just let me know if that's what you want. Okay. Uh, so, me, uh, so Melanie's going to demonstrate it just so I can see it. So it's got, what is that? M&Ms in there? Yes. It has M&Ms. And I'm going to take this dial and, and turn it. Okay. Oh, yeah. And it gets, it's a, it's a dispenser, just like, you know, an old school 
uh, gumball dispenser, but it's it's made what of paper? Made entirely out of paper, except for the window. Amazing. Okay, that's adorable. So, um, yeah, no, this is fascinating. Well, we'll, we're going to be keeping an eye on where Octo Gifts goes. But um, before we wrap up, can you leave the women listening with your three best tips on living a good life? Sure. Um, I've always I enjoy that part of your podcast the most. and so I, I'll, I'll leave you three. Um, the first one actually is a, it dovetails onto something one of your previous guests said. Um, I, I don't know if I'm going to say her name correctly. Cynthia Besteman. Yeah. Oh, you listened to Cynthia. Yeah, that was a while ago. But yeah, sure. Cynthia Besteman. Yeah. Yeah. She said, it. you know, one of her three takeaways, it's never too late to start something new. It makes you feel younger. So I'm actually going to adopt that as one of mine. I totally agree with her. So that's number one. Mm-hmm. I'd say never stop creating and teaching because they don't just feed your mind and soul. They're also your way of leaving a footprint on the world. It's a legacy you can leave behind. Beautiful. So that's my tip number one. Um, Tip number two would be to just believe in yourself and surround yourself with people who believe in you. Now say you you do need at least one or two Eeyores (laughs) to keep things real. I mean, you need someone to keep you keep things real, but I, I can't, I can't stress enough how important it is to just make sure that you have people around you who kindle your excitement in what's possible Mm. um, and not just squelch it. And hopefully the show helps in that regard to some degree, you know, hearing your story. So, okay. Number three. The the third one is actually um, it's to connect the dots. And I'm borrowing that from Steve Jobs because he he gave an amazing commencement speech at Stanford where he talked about, so here's the quote he said. He said, um, I'm going to read it directly. He said, you can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking backward. So you have to trust that the dots will somehow connect in your future. You have to trust in something, your gut, destiny, life, karma, whatever. And, and I would say, Amen. Absolutely. I would say that for me, connecting the dots in my own life is what gives me passion and purpose today. Everything that I do now, I realize makes complete sense because when I look back and connect the dots, they do. So I'll give you an example. When I was, um, you know, when I, I graduated with an engineering degree from MIT, so I would never have thought I'd be making <laughs> paper machines with my 14 year old kid. And that's, you know, and that would be my vocation. So I'm like, you could look at that and say, what are you doing? Exactly. How are you, you know, you could look at that and say, that makes no sense. And what, what in the world are you doing that for? But if you actually take a step back and you con- and you, and you strive to look, you know, look back in your life at the dots, you realize that there is often meaning in seemingly disparate events in your life. And if, if you connect them, you actually get the sense that I am doing what destiny called me to do. And I, I totally feel that for myself because what I'm doing today, it actually ties into that feeling I got from, you know, look what I did, either watching my friends do it, do the, their robots in the hallway or what we did at this plant. And then it, it ties into my work with children and just the satisfaction that I got from, from empowering children to, to, to create. And then seeing that, um, 
I'm working with my son to do the same. Everything, you know, it, it looks like on the surface, nothing makes sense. And I've had this jumbling path through life. But then when you look back and you actually connect the dots, you realize it makes total sense. It does. It makes total sense. And it's a beautiful story. And I'm very grateful that you came on to share it with us today. Melanie, where can people learn more about you and Octo Gifts? Where can I direct them? Our website is octogifts.com. And you can reach me at info at octogifts.com um, or reach out to me on LinkedIn. I, um, I welcome LinkedIn connection requests. We also have a Facebook page. It's at octogifts1. And on Instagram, we're at at octo.gifts. Facebook is where we're most um, active currently as far as social media. Okay. Well, I'll link all of those in the show notes. This has been a true pleasure. Thank you for your time today and sharing your story. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. This is Michelle Lamoureux, and you've been listening to the Good Life Coach Podcast. Now, remember, all of the show notes can be found over at thegoodlifecoach.com. Now, I have one favor before you sign off today. If you've benefited from any of the shows that you've listened to and really enjoyed the content, would you be kind enough to take just one minute and rate and review the show over on Apple Podcasts? It's how I know what's resonating with you, and also it helps other women find the show. Thank you as always for tuning in and I look forward to reconnecting next Wednesday. Bye for now.